and welcome to the Unsettling Knowledge podcast. My name is Melina and today we have a new episode in store that I'm very excited to share with you. This episode is part of a small series we are doing on sharing the stories of some amazing individuals who have relocated to the Netherlands, who I got to sit down with and ask questions about their experience as a refugee. For many, including myself, we may not know that much about the process of relocating, about what it's like to have your life transformed against your will and have to adapt to a whole new environment. We may hear things from the media, but today we wanted to share some stories about these experiences, not based on what we hear from the media, but as told by the people themselves. I come from Iran. I have been living in the Netherlands, I think, for six years now. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I came here as a refugee and went through all the process. And then, um, yes. And how was the experience moving over to the Netherlands? I don't know how to describe those um times uh, uh, it was difficult you know because uh, the policy is here <laughs> I think it's the policy here that uh, the people who are in charge you know mainly it's an organization that who are in charge of the the camps uh, the other says uh, it's named COA COA uh, they are they they keep you in dark and uh, you don't know anything uh, about what is going to be and where you are going to be. And they try to, at least as possible, the information. They give you, they don't give you any information. And the other thing that bothered me a lot, it was that you have no control of your life, on your life. You are, you just, you just, you, you just, um, you should do what you are asked to. You know, I really want to know what's going to be. It gives me um, the feeling of secure and, you know, but uh, yeah, it was a very um, insecure times and yeah, it was difficult for me to get in to handle that darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like living in the the place that you said that they keep everyone in while you're waiting for a house? Uh, you know, I, I moved several times because of the changes and, you know, this was, they call it transfer. You know, I, I have been transferred to different locations because of different things, because at first you should go and introduce yourself and seeking asylum in a certain place they have the center in Trappel. You should go there. Mm-hmm. And then you are there for several days. And then uh, they send you, they transfer you to other places to get, uh, in that time it was like that, to get the other things done. And then uh, it's temporary. Or, you know, the, the concept is temporary. You know, the main concept that everything is temporary. It's not permanent. Mm-hmm. Then you should... Just move on, move from this uh, this location to that location and until uh, you get interviewed and then they 
again, transfers you to a place that it could be more permanent and you sure you can wait for for getting a house. And it was like that. So I was uh, in Terrapel and then I went to Budel in near Eindhoven. And then uh, I was transferred to the north of the Netherlands. I was there in these places for from two weeks to four or five months. And then the last place was um, in Susterberg. I was, I think, uh, a year and a half. Yeah. You said that you get interviewed. Um, is the process quite strict in the way that they... Interview inter- you? Yeah. Yeah, it's like an <laughs> interrogation, you know, because... Um, mm, Seeking asylum is not an easy process, and you know, you know that the the current discourse on immigration is just not taking more asylum. You know, let the, the people be in their lands and not being bothered by their problems, and so because you know, being a refugee means that you have the government needs a good. You know, they have this responsibility to protect you and support you. So uh, the, the core idea is to not giving you that status. So it's strict, yeah. The inter- yeah they ask lots of questions for long hours and it could uh, take several days. So, yeah. How did it make you feel going through all of that? Oh, I was nervous actually, and but I wanted to be, to you know, I wanted it to be finished because I was, uh, I I felt that, uh, I felt that I'm stuck, you know, because in the Netherlands, if you don't have the status, you don't, you can't do anything, you, everything is. no, is everything is not official. You can learn the language, but not in a in an official way. And you don't have any resources, any financial resources, nothing. So uh, the status means a lot because it gives you the freedom to you know, to plan your life here. Because before that, the aim is not not, not giving you the hope because. It's not clear that you are going to stay here or not. And and for for many people actually um, have been living in the Netherlands for a long time bef- before they get their status. Because, for example, the process is ended and they should uh, go um, out of the camps and live on their self and then they own and then come back and you know reopen the process and it took several years can take it takes several years and during these years you you live without any rights there are some institutions and organizations that they support this kind of people but yeah it's the policy and during the process, I was so nervous and I just wanted it to be finished, you know. Even in, in that time, I, I thought that even I get negative, it doesn't matter. I want to know what will happen to me. Mm. 
But after that, uh, I, I thought, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was the concept of like not knowing what was going to happen and you were stuck in the middle ground. Yeah, in, yeah, that's true. And you know, when you are in this phase of your life, you think that, for example, getting a status is everything. Uh, it's your goal. And then after getting your status, you you realize that no it's just the beginning of something you know because you know to le- you you need to learn the language and then the house and then building a life here finding a job and all of these things and yes yeah, so every time that you pass an obstacle a phase then another scene yeah come, like come it's up. never ending yeah, it's never ending. It's just going on constantly. Did you realize before you came over that this was how the process was going to be? Was it as you expected? I had some ideas, but actually another thing that about this process that it's very personal, you know, uh, it's a personal experience, you know. The experiences of people are very diverse. You know, the way that they are implementing those laws are so diverse, and it's based on the situation, the timing, and lots of factors are in it. So, you know, it's very complicated. You mm-hmm. don't know how it goes. And, for example, I got my positive for my status, but if the people who were in charge of considering my application were others, you know, if they were not those people, there is a possibility that I didn't get Mm. the status. You know, it's very mm, personal. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that it's so important about who, whose hands your case ends up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I have a very specific experience with it because, you know, um, uh, first, uh, when I got interviewed, the officer uh, was uh, asking me questions and the translator translates them. And I, I was giving answers and this, this kind of this frequency. Mm-hmm. And then my translator told me that you are um, talking so complicated, speak simple, because the officer, he can't understand what you are saying and he can't write it. You know, it was based on the uh, translator experience. He could see and he could read the, 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 the atmosphere of the room and he could see that... Uh, it is not going well. And then something happened. There was some technical problem and my interview got cancelled. And then, uh, yeah, and uh, they um, they gave me an, another appointment for two months, two, and, two months and a half after that, uh, later. And uh, when uh, I came back, uh, there was another officer and um, he told me that yeah, your interview was uh, done until some point. We are going to tell you what you said, and then we are going on from that point. And I said, okay. And then when they they giving me the interviews and the translator is translating them, I, I, I saw that, you know, 
most of the things that they they I I talked about is not there. And some of the things that change, you know, some of the concepts are changed because the the people with whom I speak, I spoke, he couldn't understand what I'm saying. So he just wrote something and didn't get the idea. And you know, if my if my first interviews go went on, I definitely got negative because it didn't go well and so this is the thing that um, it's very important with whom you are talking. And if it, that person has uh, the uh, appropriate and enough knowledge of the concept or um, knows what's going on or not, because otherwise it could, it could go wrong. You know, yeah. there are many factors that uh, they contribute to this. And it's, it's such an important decision for yourself that for it to get lost, for, the, for your words to get lost in translation is so, like, yeah, true. consequential. Um, yeah, it's consequential because you, you, you can't prove what, you know, what you were talking because yeah. it's not like that, that they are recording you. It was only what he had written down. Yeah, there is the, the only thing that is... Uh, that is remaining from that session, that interview, is the the report that the officer is writing. So they are they are they base all the things on that. I don't know. I got. I think I got lucky that the interview that didn't <laughs> go well, and it it's they were technical problem, and then I had to had the interview with another person because the se- second officer was. Um, had more command on the job and mm-hmm. and also they because I said that no this I cannot accept this <laughs> this is not my saying no I didn't say this kind of thing and they, they gave me this kind of second chance to start everything from the start but then they had this kind of because they couldn't sh- be sure that I I am I'm saying the truth you know uh, okay then they 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 had this kind of deal with me uh, that okay, uh, we start everything from the start from the beginning. But if the session took longer, so you can get the same officer and the same translator. That was good for me because yeah, yeah. Then I, you know, with the people, the person with whom I I was speaking has some ideas about what I was talking about, and yeah. So it was like that yeah. process. It, yeah, it goes to show it's important about who you get. Um, yeah, as the yeah officer, that's true. Sure. That's true. So once you came to the Netherlands and everything, how did you feel about the community there? And like, did you feel welcomed? You know, the thing uh, is that uh, I don't know about the big cities actually, because um, all of my camps were in remote center locations or in in a village and uh, actually when I was in the camp I wasn't very engaged with the community because um, there was no no way of communicating with people because you live in a in a camp and then they live outside the camp you are on your own and 
you create your own community inside the camp. Most most of the people I saw that they could create a community outside the camp were the people who, for example, go out to live outside the camps. And said they said so they were they were really in community they were really in society and they they could find friends or come you know come have communication and contact with other people but for for the people who are in camps it's a it's a it's a colony you know yeah there's already this separation yeah it's separated like how can you integrate yourself with the population if you're already being secluded yeah yeah that's true it's it's separated it's into you know it um it it's my experience more maybe other people have different experience or the people who were who are living in camps in in the big in big cities because maybe they have more access to you know to cultural spaces or to organization that they can uh, get some social communication out of it. But um, in the remote centers, it's not like that. Mm. What was it like when you left the camps? <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because uh, when, uh, because we were waiting for, uh, you know, and it's in- interesting that when I say that I was, wa- we were waiting, I was waiting for a house for a long time. And they said, how long did you wait? And I say, one year. And the Netherlands, the Dutch people, they are, they responses like this, that one year, it's very, it's, it's, it's not that much. Uh, the Dutch people are waiting for social house for nine, ten years. But where is the basis, you know? I live in the camp. I do do you live in camp? Because you don't have you don't you can start your language you know, learning process or other stuff because you live in the camp. You you either you live in your parents' house or you live in a student house or something like that or I don't know you live somewhere and you live in society but we live we live in camp so one year waiting for a house to start our new life is for us is a long is a long time mm. so. Yes, it was uh, when I when we got the house. I I remember that our house, you know, our house is uh, not that much. It's an old and not more modern, you know. But I remember that um, I was so excited that I feel that it's a palace, you know. It's the best thing that I we could get. And then, yeah, it's my house. It's my space, and I. Uh, for example, uh, in the time that I, uh, my husband wasn't here, and for time being, he was also in the Netherlands, but he, he was in another camps because they said that uh, they need, he needs to be interviewed, and then we can transfer him here. So um, I had to share a very tiny room in the camp with uh, another person with whom I didn't have any com- common things you know so and i i was 
you know, it was not an ideal situation. So, yeah, so having a house and a space for yourself is, you know, it's a very good and actually amazing. Mm. And did you um, have a lot of more interactions than I guess with people in the Netherlands and Dutch people? We, you know, we got uh, some friends, yeah, or yeah, some contacts, and but not not that much mm-hmm. because in that time I was very f- focusing on uh, learning Dutch, and I went to language classes, and it took up my. most of my time and then at the same time I was pregnant so yeah it was a lot going I had a very busy schedule (laughs) because I I thought that okay I need to uh, get everything done before the baby comes Mm -hmm. and then yeah I got uh, my language classes and then I um applied for the university and all of this stuff was going on I just was I was in hurry to get everything done yes that's a lot yeah (laughs) what was it like going into the university and starting university yes it was um, yeah it was I felt very good and I felt very optimistic and you know happy and this kind of stuff. Uh, but, um, yeah, but it was hard. <laughs> I wasn't, I think, I wasn't pre- prepared for that much hardness. Right. Yeah. It was a lot. Yes, it was a lot. And, you know, I, I already told you that I have a one-year-old baby at the time and... Uh, so it was a real difficult balancing everything with each other. And uh, in overall, um, I didn't feel, I, I was, I felt a little out of place, you know, especially when we were in class. I was very consumed with my grammatical mistakes and uh, why I couldn't find the right words or I know the other words, why I use this word. You know, I was very self-doubting. Uh, I mm. doubted uh, myself a lot. So I was um, very consumed with this kind of stuff and it hindered me from being myself. So when you were at university, did um, the university, would you say, or the professors provide any help or support to you? You know, I think, um, um, I don't, yeah, the capitalism (laughs) is very um, dominated in this country, you know, and even in universities, because the academic sphere here is very competitive. Uh, so it put lots of pressure on st- teachers, students, and, and lecturers because they are many students. Because you know that uh, it's not free. Universities in, in the Netherlands are not free. They are many students. 
And so the time that uh, teachers and lecturers can assign to students is not that much. It's limited because they don't have all the time in the world. They are, they have other duties. They have, they you know they are I don't know in uh, administrative things. They they need to be productive academically and professionally. They need to write, uh, do researches, write papers, and also they need to teach to lectures. All of them make um, a little, you know, little time and space for students to get supported. They do their best, I mm-hmm. think. But, you know, there are other limitations and we can't, I can't expect them that much. Of course, yeah. Looking back at your time, um, is there anything different that you would have liked um, to have happened, to have helped you throughout your university that someone could have offered? And many things could be done differently, you know. Um, I, for example, for me to to come from another educational system to this uh, to this educational system, the transition period, uh, you know, I I think that um, I could be more prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have a more um, I could have a clear idea of what is going on, and then how I should prepare myself for the reading for all all other stuff. For I think for everyone it's difficult, to, you know. For every student, it's difficult doing a master. But uh, I, you know, I don't want to say that my experience at university was bad. It's it's totally bad. It doesn't. It's not like that. But uh, I had, um, you know, one thing I need to say that here in the Netherlands, I realized that how much it is important to have a free country you know to have a democracy or through to have a um um free flow of information because uh, for me it was like this that I always consider myself as an open-minded person, as a person who are open to more, to lots of things and, you know, try to develop them herself. But here in the Netherlands, because I, I could, um, uh, I had this chance to go to the academy and put myself in academy environment and, um, having this kind of uh re- the var- the this kind of various experiences and courses and you know participating in different lectures having conversation with different people in academia and un- uh, university i i develop a lot you know i i learned a lot and um, yeah, you know, my mind and the way I am thinking was got more progressive. And I, even my personality, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that this is a very good point that I need to mention that academia and universities and the environment in this country gives me that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I completely get what you mean. I think even from a UK um, education system to the Netherlands, very, very different. Netherlands is very demanding, like you said. It's a lot of work. Um, so, yeah, coming from maybe your educational um, institutions as well would be very different. Yes, um, that's true. Obviously, in the like recent climate with what's been happening with Russia and Ukraine, there's been a lot mm. of Ukrainian refugees coming over to Europe. Um, and I think there's been a bit of a maybe media change towards um, the Ukrainian refugees versus maybe other refugees who have yeah. come many beforehand. Um, what did you think about all of this, reading it and seeing it? Mm. Um, actually, it doesn't get me, um, it doesn't irritate me, you know. I, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I have, um, I just observe it. I'm thinking about the binaries because, you know, we are living in a world that trying to make everything into duality, into binaries. Now with this crisis, with the war in Ukraine, this is a game that the the main stream the, the mainstream media and you know this mainstream thinkers or part, political parties in the west they trying to make a bi- to produce a binary again it's us and them mm-hmm. you know these refugees these ukrainian people are blonde they are white they are european they are civilized they, they are one of us so they should be treated differently. To me, it's like this that I feel, I, I, I just feel uh, that this should be changed. This duality should be changed. This us and them way of thinking and this putting different criteria for other people should be changed. So I'm just thinking that, that we need to, uh, you know, more, you know, we as refugees, as people from the global south, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Middle Eastern people, we should just more be more engaged with this uh, conver- conversation, with this discourse, with this narration. We should we should create our position, our place to counter this. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully this sheds light a bit more on what the the governments are actually doing. Um, I don't know if it'll change anything in the future, but it it definitely should. I mean, in the past, any refugees who have come over, they've determined it as a crisis. You know, like um, the country is, um, is struggling to deal with the amount of people coming in. But, um, you know, the narration is here. Here is like that that these the Ukrainian people they are competent, but I mean I'm happy that this situation shows the hypocrisy, you know, the hypocrisy of these government, these policies, and um, yeah, shed a light on the way they are thinking. They they just don't uh, consider us i mean the, us uh, from that parts of those parts of the world as equal as themselves 
but we know now uh it's it's out now maybe i'll end with um just this last question then um but based on your experience obviously living in relocations in the netherlands what would you want people to know more about to be able to help um, refugees in the future or help their experience better yes um the narration about refugees now is about either a vi- they are they are considering them either as a victim of the situation of being displaced or as a threat threat you know to the great civilization of the western country but i just uh, as i mentioned before i just want to to create a space away from this two concept not a victim not a threat we are not a victim of our situation this situation are something that happens and this could be passed you know but uh the problem is that we are we are not getting the space and the opportunity to get past of this phase with labeling us as refugees and you know uh and putting us in the marginalized uh location it's very difficult to come out of this location when you are placed and positioned in this location you know very when then it's very hard to to upgrade your location your position in society and um, most of the problems are coming from this this because for example i during the past years the, the few the past years for three or five four years now i have doing my best to just detach myself from this position but you know for that i need for example to f- find a job and if the pressure on the refugees but finding a job is not uh in not easy when you are a refugee and especially when you came here later on your life you know because every job opportunity that i am uh, applying for i have um there is either something that i don't have either the qual i don't have the enough qualification or experience either, or either i don't have the, the enough dutch or something else you know i am not qualified for anything here in the netherlands and then how i can you know pass this phase and how i can get a life that um, i th- i think that i deserve it so this is the 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 main thing that I, i i think that most of the people should think about you know everyone wants to help but how give us the refugees the opportunity to work mm-hmm. i think also that really summed up what you said earlier about how once you achieve something there are still obstacles in the way yeah. 
for you to be able to freely uh, live sort of without this um, shadow or um, de definition of yourself or anything. Yeah, true. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like that you, 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 sh you, you will live, you would live uh, on the shadow of being a refugee. You can't be yourself, totally yourself again. And it's difficult and it's very heartbreaking <laughs> for me because I don't, I want, I don't want to be a refugee for all of my life. I don't want to explain myself, my journey, my, why I leave my country, what was my life there. I don't want to explain that. And f for, you know, until the end of my life here in this country, I just want to have a very normal life, you know, mm -hmm. and be able to communicate with people at the same level. And and for reaching that, I think that um, it's very and even for you know building a network for having for finding friends and all of this, I think it's very important to uh, find a job. To you can change your social status. So now I, it's the most important thing and everything comes after that even the language comes after that you know mm -hmm. uh, my, my for for example my language my dutch language could get more better if i communicate with dutch people on a daily basis if i have to use what i have learned till now you know so yeah, this is the, the thing that um, I think it needs more um, consideration uh, if we want to really have an inclusive and diverse society and work sphere, you know. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. Um, I just want to thank you for sharing everything you said today. It's been very, very interesting and enlightening and I, I think what's important about this is that I don't feel like many people are genuinely educated on um, what happens, what is the process, what is the experience, um, and people view it as a very alien thing to them, as something that it doesn't affect them. Um, but if you live in the society that you live in, in your country, um, you, you, you should know about it. You are a part of it, and you should be aware of... Um, how things how your government is running things and what you can do as well to help people coming over as well and not just read what's on the media or the narrative that's being told as well but yeah I hope you know that um everything that you've done is is very admirable and um <laughs> it's uh it must be very difficult to face the obstacles that you have genuinely um and I hope you give yourself credit for it a lot <laughs> thank you so much Thank you so much to our guest today and do check out our information box to find out more information about ways you can help or learn more about these experiences. Thank you so much for listening and I do hope you enjoyed this episode and you can stay tuned for the next episode of this series where we hear more stories and we learn more together. 
My name is Melina. Thank you, and we will see you on the next one.